for a person to attain God's salvation, there must be repentance and conversion. There must be a change in a person's life. This is a prerequisite for salvation. If a person does not repent and turn away from their sins, there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness, no new start, no new birth. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today's message is about a call to repentance. I think we all know that we are not perfect, that we all sin. Some feel they sin less than others. But in the end, absolutely no one can stand before a holy and perfect God and proclaim any good standing on their own. No one can find grace before Him unless they have the right attitude and repent and convert from all their sins and come to a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is the key that God has given us to find forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Today's message is inspired in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 17. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord God. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O God. Blessed are you, O Lord, because no one can do the things that you do. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord, because we have all things only because of your mercy and your grace. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to understand that clearly. Help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to have our hearts and our minds in the right place when we seek after you. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that we need to be humble before you, that we need to acknowledge you as who you are, understanding who we are before you. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, O Lord God, for you alone are worthy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 17. This is the word of the Lord. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice 
or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Repentance and conversion are things that really touch God's heart. When we turn away from our sins, from our wrongs, when we acknowledge the evil we have done, there is really no other better offering, if you will, that we can give to God. This is one of the things that made King David stand out from most people. Not that he was perfect because he wasn't perfect and no one is, but rather because once David was confronted with his sins, he would turn with all of his heart from those wrong things he did. And that is what God is really looking for. God knows we're not going to get things right. He knows that we are sinful people and that we're going to get a lot of things wrong. But what pleases him is that when we are confronted with our sins, to turn from them with all of our heart. He looks for us to acknowledge and to truthfully let go of our sins. The attitude or behavior that displeases him is when we justify our sins or when we just plain out rebel against him or when we choose to call wrong right and right wrong. What does not please him also is when we try to hide the wrongs we have done. These are all things that he cannot accept. In the epistle of 1 John, the word of God makes this assertion. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So you see, there must be sincerity honesty in our lives, especially when it comes to sin, to the wrongs we do. There is simply no forgiveness from God if a person says that they have no sin or that no sin has been committed. He says that we are just deceiving ourselves and that we make a liar of him if we don't admit to our sin. But when we confess our sins to him and of course to those we have sinned against, if we have the chance because we not only offend God with our sin, but we also hurt others along the way. Then a person can find grace and mercy. A person can be forgiven by God and God washes that sin away through the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the word of God, for a person to attain God's salvation, there must be repentance and conversion. There must be a change in a person's life. This is a prerequisite for salvation. If a person does not repent and turn away from their sins, There is no salvation. There is no forgiveness, no new start, no new birth. For it says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The Lord Jesus, when he started his public ministry, he started with this very concept where he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, God says this also, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? And like this, there are many other passages throughout the Bible that teach that repentance and conversion are essential before God so that people can attain God's forgiveness. So grace and mercy can be bestowed by God on people. And this must happen prior to accepting Jesus as Lord and asking him to come into your hearts. 
The home of our heart must be cleansed before God can enter into it. What we also need to remember is that God's forgiveness is a gift. It is something that happens out of his own goodwill. God is not obligated to forgive sin. We always need to remember his position and our position. God is God and he can do whatever he wants. And as God, as the supreme and highest being in all of the universe, no one can force him to do anything. And of course, he most certainly does not owe anyone anything. God, out of the kindness of his heart, has given us this promise that if we repent and convert from our sins, that he would forgive us. But we are in no position to demand anything from him. We have offended him individually and as a group since men fell in paradise. He gave man free will, the freedom to choose, and man failed at the very first temptation from Satan. The rule was simple. You can eat from any tree you want, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And everything was fine until Satan tempted Eve and then Eve enticed Adam. God had established this very simple thing for the good of man. He wasn't keeping man from anything or holding out on them. Now, someone might say, why did God put that tree there? And the answer is because in order for there to be choice, options must exist. God allows for there to be options that even go completely against his will and desire because of love. God has subjected everything to love and in love there's always choice. There is never obligation. The moment that obligation is introduced, then there is no love. God always wanted for man to search for him, to obey him out of love and not out of obligation or because there is no other option. That is the basis for free will. Now, someone may argue, if we don't do God's will and do as God tells us, we will go to hell, right? And the answer is yes, that is what happens. But it happens because there is life only in one person and there's only one way to eternity and that is through the Lord. There is no life in anything else. Nothing else has the ability or the capacity to give eternal life. Not even Satan with all of his power and dominion can give life. He can give temporary things, passing things, superficial things, but he cannot give eternal life. And how can he when he and everything that is subject to his will and power is eternally condemned? There is no future at Satan's side. And so we can only find life through God, through the person of God, because he is the only one that bears life within himself. As a matter of fact, all things exist today through his person, just as it is written. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so all things consist in him. Every human being lives and breathes and exists because of his say-so, even those that rebel against him and refuse to acknowledge certain universal truths. And this is how we can start to understand just how good God is and how patient and merciful he is. No one is better than God. Don't you think that if God were more about justice than love and grace, that he would have just done away with all of us right from the get-go? Would you support, sustain, and provide for people that hate you and offend you every chance they get without you having done anything wrong to them? 
Would you keep alive people that you give everything to without any kind of obligation, who choose to curse you, to not even acknowledge your existence? Are you starting to understand just who we are and what God does for us? This is what his word tells us in Matthew chapter 5. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is good, no matter how much people think otherwise. So why say all of this? Because in order to make things right with God, we must understand our true position. We're always indebted to God any way you look at it. If he has given us a provision, an avenue for forgiveness through repentance and conversion, it's out of his goodness. If he actually forgives us, it's because he is good. If he sustains our daily living, our substance, and all kinds of things happen based on his say-so so we can live, it's out of his goodness. If he actually gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ, it's because he is good. And if we actually experience eternal life and eternal reward, it's because he continues choosing to honor his word, his promise. So at every moment, we owe him everything. And this is what must form part of our understanding when we come to him. There is no room for any kind of sense of entitlement or demand. We are in no position to demand anything from him. People mistake humbleness for lowering yourself before God. Humbleness before God is simply acknowledging our true position, acknowledging a certain reality, that we are like nothing before him and that we owe him absolutely everything. King David wrote this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of them? Everything that exists proclaims God's magnificence and might. If we contemplate nature and the universe itself, all things that are incredible and beyond any of all of our capacities and capabilities, how much mightier is he that just spoke them into existence? We can stand in awe just looking at the stars in the sky and distant planets. Yet mankind's hope is to be able to just fly to them. Imagine how mighty the Lord God must be that made everything, including them, and sustains their existence through his person. That is why there is no excuse for not acknowledging God. For it says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So understanding all of this, are you starting to get the picture of who we are and how much we need to repent and convert from and just how much we owe the Lord? Shouldn't having just this knowledge of things, of our true position before God, produce a great sense of humility before him? Yet many people take for granted all of the things that the Almighty has done, is doing, and continues to do in their favor, unmeritedly. Many people choose not to appreciate his incredible goodness. Even so-called believers treat salvation like an entitlement, like God owes us something. We are very mistaken to believe like that. I tell you that if a person doesn't change their mind and heart set, no matter what they profess to believe, they will not find mercy before God 
And that's the whole point of this message. A person needs to come to God correctly with the right attitude, with the right understanding, especially if a person wants to attain eternal life through Jesus Christ. According to the Word of God, it's not just about saying, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus Christ and that's it. It's not even about being moral necessarily. There must be true repentance and conversion from all of the sins we have committed against God and our fellow man. There must be a complete leaving behind of sin, at least making a wholehearted decision to leaving sin behind and taking responsibility for all the wrong things done. Remember that if we don't acknowledge our sin before the Lord, there is no salvation, no forgiveness. It is essential to at least try to understand the many different ways we have offended God with our sins and to repent from all of that. This is one of the main ways we can begin to be fair with God so we can find grace before Him by acknowledging and desiring to turn away from the wrongs we have done. We have been extremely unfair with Him and that is what sin is all about. Is it fair to sin to offend the one that has created and made us? The one that sustains our very existence day in and day out? That has given us the path to forgiveness through repentance and conversion? And of course, the one that is sacrificed, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have the opportunity for eternal life? Is it fair to reward love with hatred? Is it fair to reward faithfulness, mercy, and grace with dismissal and disapproval? Is it right to treat God with a sense of entitlement? Absolutely not. Yet that is what mankind has done, and what we have all done to him individually in one way or another. In summary, the madness and foolishness needs to stop for our own good. We must repent and convert from all sins to find salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must continue changing and turning from the sin that still dwells within us so we can continue to find favor before the Lord and stay on the path to eternal life. Eternal life is not just a one-time decision. It's an every day until we die decision to follow Christ all of the days of our lives until we breathe our last breath. For it is written, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And it also says, but it, he who endures to the end will be saved. And so for your own good, repent and convert from all your sins to be born again in Christ Jesus and continue repenting and converting from the sin you still have within you after receiving Jesus Christ until the very end so that you can be saved. Repentance and conversion are just a reality we must come to grips with. We are all born sinners. We have all sinned voluntarily throughout our lives. And even when we have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives, we will still sin because sin still dwells within our members. It's still a part of the fiber of our physical existence. And so we always owe God repentance and conversion because when we sin, no matter how we sin, we always wind up offending Him. King David said this, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned 
and done this evil in your sight. We always need to remember that God is holy, and so we cannot justify ourselves before a holy and righteous God. We can never stand before God and say that we have not sinned, and so it should only be common sense for us that we should always be humble before the Lord, and that we should constantly repent and convert from all of our sins, from all of our wrongs, all of the time. And this is for our own good. Why? Because it's the only way we can find grace before Him. It's the only way we can be justified and cleansed from all sin. It's not just about saying that you have faith or that you believe. True faith is about doing what God tells you to do and to endeavor doing what He tells you to do all of the time. For it is also written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so His will is that we understand our true position before Him, that we acknowledge the wrongs that we have done and that we turn away from them. Just leave it all behind. We always need to remember, for the wages of sin is death. Sin will never produce life. It always produces death. That is the practical reason for why we need to sin less and less. We need to do those things that perpetuate life and not death. This is also the practical reason for why we need to do God's will because there's only life in His will in doing the things He tells us to do. So for your own good, endeavor to have your heart in the right place before God, full of repentance, so you can find life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessing and honor and glory and praise be to you. Lord, you are truly good and merciful and gracious with us. You give us so many things, Lord God, without deserving any of it. Heavenly Father, above all things, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, and because you made a way of salvation for us through Him. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you loved us so much. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh Lord, to have repentant hearts. Help us, O oh Lord, to have the desire to want to turn away from all the wrongs that we do. Help us, O oh Lord, to be fair with you, Lord God, and to treat you as you need to be treated, as you must be treated, Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone listening. I pray, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, that they may find a way to be able to break their hearts before you to repent and convert from all of their sins and to follow you with everything that they are. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise, O Lord. Help us to understand, Lord God, and to believe that one day we will all give an account before you and that we are responsible for the wrong things that we do. Help us, O Lord, to abide faithfully in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name do I pray, and to him be all the honor and the glory forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.